You have the American dream. You own your own business. But owning a business turns out to be more than you thought. It's a pain in the neck. You're not getting where you want to go. You're not getting what you want to get. And you're working 97 hours a week. We're here to help you fix that. This is the Small Business Celebration Podcast. I am your host, Michael Roberts, and on this podcast, you can learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Before we begin our interview with this week's successful small business visioneer, I want to take a moment and thank you, the listener, for helping Small Business Celebration reach a significant milestone. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, you're about to hear an example of why. 1,750 plus small business owners, partners, general managers, presidents, and CEOs connect with Small Business Celebration on a weekly basis. When you consider Kern County has just over 10,000 small businesses, 1,750 plus weekly connections is a big deal. We thank the tremendous content that our Visioneer guests continue to provide this podcast, our sponsors, and you, Visioneer Nation, who have subscribed to this podcast, internalized their invaluable insight, and because of it are growing a strong and profitable business. And we thank you. Our guest today is Mike Russo with Russo's Books. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, glad to have you here at the store. Thank you. And tell us a little bit about what Russo's Books is and does. We are the local bookseller, and actually we have been the local bookseller since 1989. We just celebrated our 30th anniversary, and uh, that's what we do. We provide books to our community, and our tagline is we're Bakersfield's Bookstore. And uh, have had a blast doing it. It's a family-owned business and ever forward. One of the reasons, or the main reason, I should say, that I wanted to interview you is back on episode 27, we interviewed Wayne Dietz Jr. And he went through and gave a lot of great information. But one of the things he talked about was how businesses have to adapt, evolve, and change in this Amazon world. And one of the most hardest hit industries from Amazon are booksellers. And you have done something that's quite remarkable that a lot of booksellers were unable to do, which is not only survive, but come out the other side in the black and profitable. So congratulations for you on that. Thank you. And I wanted to explore a little bit about how you did that. What were some of the key points or some of the key things that you did to overcome this almost insurmountable challenge that a lot of other booksellers did not successfully manage? And you're really true there is because, as we all know, Amazon now sells just about everything, but clearly they targeted books from the get-go, mm-hmm. and that was the first thing in their crosshairs. And a lot of uh, small independent bookstores can look at Borders and some of the larger chains. They also were not able to uh, hit that onslaught. But we were able to weather the uh, changes. The industry has changed a lot, as you can well imagine, in the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, what we did is uh, at one point we had four stores in town. And uh, as that business model just became outdated, uh, we revamped the entire business structure. Hmm. Uh, So for the last five years, we have followed a different business model. Uh, Maybe some people would not be recognize us as the form that we once had. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as you say, it's worked uh, to great business success. We're very, very happy and we're finally profitable. What was the mental shift or what was the business model shift that you took to become profitable? Our original uh, model was uh, what you would see as a traditional mom-and-pop local independent bookstore, Mm -hmm. again, four uh, four stores throughout town. As rents continued to increase, and then we all know of the Great Recession, uh, and then we hit with the onslaught of not only online uh, selling, but also 
uh, e-readers, uh, it just started to change, and mm. we were able to uh, recognize that with a little help from our landlords that kept on raising the rents. Mm. Uh, and as uh, payroll kept going up with uh, wage increases, uh, it just became untenable. Uh, so that's where we uh, made the decision to close all of our physical stores, at least the traditional way, mm-hmm. and to move into uh, what is now really what I call a showroom, uh, mm. where we have in an office setting uh, a couple hundred books uh, showcased, and we can order two million more and get them to you in the next day or so. And you can have those books drop shipped straight to your business, your home, wherever you want to have them shipped to. So that's really been our key is uh, although we still very much love our uh, regular customers and we serve them all the time, uh, we've really moved our business model uh, away from the foot traffic that a traditional retailer would have. Mm -hmm. And we are now focusing on institutional sales. Uh, So schools, county, state, uh, businesses, uh, those are our prime customers. We're able to give them specific uh, and courteous hometown service, uh, as we are anybody. Anybody can go to our website. And the neat thing is with lower overhead, uh, we're able to discount books across the board to anybody who buys them. And certainly to those institutions, we're able to give really high level of service at a, a deep discount. And I think you just touched on the key point right there, which is customer service. That's really been our model ever since day one. Mm -hmm. And as the family-owned bookstore, that's what we hang our hat on. And to this day, that's the one thing that certainly hasn't changed. And how do you marry an online presence with customer service? So for us, the online is just a small component of what we do. Most of our customers are going to reach us by either coming into the showroom or faxing, a little bit of faxing, but but some of that still, but email or telephone. Phone, mm-hmm. uh, but of our uh, staff that we have on board, one is dedicated to the uh, internet and keeping content fresh. Uh, daily post on Twitter and Instagram and uh, Facebook and the sort. So very much we try to engage our customers still online. We try to keep things fresh and really have that presence to let people know we are still we're still here and we're the <laughs> local bookstore. We're the, still the local expert. One of the things I wanted to ask you, too, is there seems in some circles to be a real negative stigma about the word retail and and wanting to cut out the middleman. And yet, as a local bookseller, as Bakersfield's premier bookseller, being the middleman, being the retailer is a good thing. And explain to us a little bit why that's the case. I am very much uh, in favor of the retail function, Mm -hmm. and I value the retail function in the supply chain. Uh, So it always kind of grates on me when people say cutting out the middleman or retail is on its last legs, uh, because we do provide an important service. And And, and what is that service? So retailers aggregate a product. They make it to their customers' needs. And by doing that, they're able to provide things actually, in many cases, much cheaper. If you were to try to order a book from Simon & Schuster or Random House, uh, you could go to their website. You're going to pay full price. You know They ship pallets. They don't ship single copies. Uh, you're going to obviously spend time waiting for it to ship from New York or wherever their warehouses are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to pay full price, take longer, uh, which is obviously bad for the environment, more deliveries back and forth. And you can only order what that publisher offers. We congregate everything 
and we can put in giant orders and get quantity discounts, pass those savings on to you. And, and that's not us. It's every retailer. The retail is an important and vital part of the supply chain. People just need to understand that cutting out the middleman doesn't really make sense. It's a nice slogan, uh, but it's a lot of hyperbole also. Ron, why are you wearing an elf hat? It's October, the month of Halloween. It's because I'm thinking about my employees and Geronco's top clients that are going to have holiday parties this year. You're thinking about holiday parties in October? You betcha. Well, you need to plan ahead. You're going to need tables and chairs and flatware and glassware, depending on the size it is. Uh, weather's rolling in. You may need a tent. may need some heaters. So you want to plan ahead and call us as soon as possible so we can make sure we have the gear on hold. But what if I want to reserve all of our party needs from you at Dronco Party Rentals? Michael, I'll let you and any member of Visioner Nation that listens to the podcast come down to our shop at 7501 East Brundage Lane, right here in Bakersfield, or give us a call at 661-325-0855. Or check out our website at Geronco Rentals, that's J-O-R-O-N-C-O, rentals.com. Wait, let me get a piece of paper and write that down. What was that? 7501 East Brundage Lane, here in Bakersfield. Or give us a call at 325-0855. Or check us out on our website at Geronco Rentals, that's J O. R-O-N-C-O, rentals.com. That's 7501 Brundage Lane here in Bakersfield, 661-325-0855, or at Geronco Rentals, that's J-O-R-O-N-C-O, rentals.com. We're here with Mike Russo and Russo's Books, and I wanted to take a step back for a moment because you grew up in the retail world, and 60 years, I believe it is? Yes, my father's been in retail for 60 years, and, you and felt, I've been for about 38 years. You were kind of brought up, or not kind of, you were brought up in, in the retail world, and why did you choose to stay in the retail world when other opportunities may have come your way? You know, that's interesting. As uh, an introvert, and I am an introvert, uh, I always found outside sales very, very difficult. Mm. But in my mind, I've always justified if you walk into my store, if you come in uh, on my turf, as it were, <laughs> that, uh, that you're fair game. And I've always been a customer first type of person, as has my dad and entire family. And the fact that somebody would honor us by coming into our store, we want to make sure that they give the best service. And there I can kind of let down my guard, my introvert guard, if you will, and provide for your needs and, and welcome you into the setting and, and try to help you find the product that you want. You went to Cal State Bakersfield and you got two business degrees. Correct. Mo most of us can uh, manage to cram a four-year degree into five years. <laughs> <laughs> you went ahead and got two of them. And what, what degrees did you get? So I have uh, one degree in human resource management, mm -hmm. and the other is my MBA. Mm -hmm. I'm a big Cal State supporter. I was on their alumni association board. Uh, all three of my children are currently at Cal State Bakersfield. And I think it's a great uh, gem for this community. Uh, their business school, both the master's and bachelor's, is accredited, uh, which very few schools can lay claim to. Uh, and uh, go runners. How has your MBA helped you in owning and running your business? Uh, just the strategy, the strategic view, uh, taking the long view of it and trying to have a few more business tools that you can kind of pull out. My father very much is instrumental in our resurrection and our turnaround over the last five years. Mm -hmm. uh, but that, along with uh, our experiences and our education, has certainly helped propel us forward. 
you've talked about in the past about the difference between working on and working in your business. And was this a, releva- a revelation in the real world or did this come from academia? It's uh, a little of both. First of all, real world. The book, The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber is a great book. Highly what, recommend. What book is that? The E-Myth Revisited, E being entrepreneur, the entrepreneur myth revisited by Michael Gerber. Which you can get at Russo's books. Coincidentally, you can. (laughs) At a discount, I might add. Uh, And truly, this is a book that's been out for years. And I really should have read it when it first came out decades ago. Mm -hmm. But instead, I didn't. I didn't read it till 2017. In reading the book, I found out that, wow, we checked off every mistake a small business person can make. (laughs) And uh, one of them, as you referenced, is making a working for uh, or working in your business as opposed to working on your business. And what's the difference? One is you, where you carve out a job for yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. You're working in your business. Think of a plumber and that's all the plumber does all day is plumb mm-hmm. as opposed to a uh, plumber who is running an empire, if you will, and is hiring plumbers and hiring bookkeepers and appointment setters. Uh, that's working on your business. Mm. So in a very real sense, uh, my dad and I have carved out a 30-year job for ourselves. <laughs> but And, and I, I do say that a little bit in jest because even though I'm not going to win an Entrepreneur of the Year award because of that, mm-hmm. it's been a job that we've loved. Mm. I mean, seriously, every single day, love coming to the bookstore, love our customers, love our local authors. It's just been a wonderful experience. So it's been a good job. Maybe we did carve out a 30-year job for ourselves. Can't do much better. Does your father still own his retail business? Yeah, yeah. So he's here every day. And oh, so he started Russo's books. We did together. Oh, excellent. Okay, yeah. I, I thought excellent. I didn't know that. No, no. It's it's been a family business from from day one. Mm-hmm. Both my parents were here on Saturday. Uh, we had a big order come in, fifty four boxes, and they were here on a Saturday while I was helping customers. They were tearing open boxes and staging books and moving invoices around. We're, we're in the trenches for the long haul. Taking a, a step back a little bit, there was one of our previous guests, Keith Stoller, said some really nice things about you. He says, Mike and his store chain are well known in the Bakersfield area and present an image of community-centered, ethical leadership and dedicated to service. Moreover, Mike has demonstrated his ongoing commitment to serving Bakersfield through community support, volunteer activities, including the CSUB Alumni Board of Directors. And Keith Stoller is a, has been on our podcast a couple times. And I want to, to explore a little bit about the ethical leadership and dedication to service, because that sounds like that's an integral part of how you were able to overcome your your challenges with Amazon. Customer service has always been what we hang our hat on from right. day one. And how do you do, how do you demonstrate that? How do you execute that? It's both the little things and the big things, mm-hmm. uh, from courteous service and being polite to answering the phone as soon as you can, to getting back to customers. But sometimes it's the big things also. You know, when an order goes bad or it's delayed or something has to happen, making it right for the customer. Uh, and we've all been there before. You've always been in a, a situation where it's just like, can't they just fix this and make the problem go away? In most cases, the answer is yes, but companies have rules and they have guidelines they have to follow and procedures. My dad has a great saying for the employees that nobody's allowed to say no except for he and I, and we don't <laughs> say no. So... 
you know, you got to make it work for the customer mm-hmm. uh, as best you can. And, you know, there's a lot of theory that can go behind that lifetime value of a customer and, mm-hmm. and the sort. But this is a small community uh, such that people talk. And certainly they have plenty of options to get their books. Mm-hmm. They certainly don't need me for that. If I were to burn those bridges, word we get around very, very quickly. One of the things you mentioned earlier, too, is that you're an introvert in an extrovert business. Yes. And how do you manage that? For those of us that are introverts, how do you make that work? There's a great book called The Quiet that I really like about... Uh, Who wrote the, the Quiet, and I'm blanking on the author's name right now. Okay. Uh, but... Talks about the power of introverts. Mm. Uh, they're introspective. Uh, so here I am saying that I work in my business, not on my business, but I also do give it a lot of thought. And we don't make rash decisions. We definitely plan things out and we have a strategy going forward. In many regards, that's helped us just being able to step back. And in that regard, uh, the family, as I say, really complements each other. Everybody brings something different to the table. That's going to be important in any business, to Mm -hmm. have a partnership or to have employees that help complement you and bring the best out of everybody. One of the things you mentioned earlier is that you have the ability to be working on something on the computer and somebody walks in through the door and suddenly the extrovert switch turns on. Walk us through how that process works for you. For me, it just is a matter of how would I like to be greeted when I can't come into a store, mm-hmm. you know? For me, just to walk aside or just kind of nod my head at you doesn't work for me. I want, again, to welcome you into my business I'm grateful that you've chosen me over so many other competition. And so just a level of service that says, thank you. I honor your decision to at least consider us, to make that phone call, to walk into the business. Sounds like it comes from a place that's genuine. Yes. Because people can smell fake a mile away. Yeah, and for me, that's very much true. I mean, I genuinely do want people to have a good experience. I want to get them the right book, the right price, the right time. And it's something that uh, it's real for me. I mean, you don't stay in business for 30 years by faking it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And trust me, we've made our share of mistakes. We've had our uh, ups and downs uh, with customer service. But even when we make mistakes, I'll admit the mistake and I'll certainly try to rectify it. One of the things that you're doing now is part of what Keith mentioned was your ongoing commitment to serve the Bakersfield community is you're giving back to juniors and seniors in high school. Tell us a little bit about what it is that you're doing in addition to owning and running a business. Yeah, so I teach a small business entrepreneurship class for the high school district at the Regional Occupational Center. Uh, And the ROC is just an amazing campus. We have your traditional auto shop and welding shops, but we also have medical and farm tech and sports medicine and robotics. And for me, it's small business entrepreneurship. High school juniors and seniors are able to spend three periods a day at our campus and Mm -hmm. then go to their home campus for the remainder of their day. We teach entrepreneurship, everything from uh, the fear of failure to overcoming rejection to starting up a lean business canvas to debits and credits and accounting. And how to make a business card. How to make a business card. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Yeah, it's very rewarding. It's a wonderful opportunity to uh, see young minds with the wheels start turning. Many of them are headed off to college. Others are looking to either get a job or to start their own business. This is the third year we've done the entrepreneurship program, and it's growing every year. And it's just the it, it re-energizes me just to look through uh, the world through their eyes. 
And there's one thing that I'd like to point out on all of this is that you went to Cal State Bakersfield and you have two degrees in business. And yet you're teaching students who may not be going to university how to open up their own business. And I think this is something that's valuably important because so many people do have this notion that, no, if you're going to open up a business, you need to go to Stanford or don't even worry about it all. You might as well just take all the cash you would spend on college and open up your own business. Mm -hmm. I noticed that you, you tend to do both. You tend to encourage both. And why is that? That's very true. I do encourage both. And probably about 75% of my students actually end up in college. Most of, most of them start out at Baker's College, mm-hmm. have a few at Cal State Bakersfield as well. But I do reject the notion that you have to go to college to start a business. Um, but I also advise my students that uh, yeah, a few business classes, a little management, some accounting, maybe not a bad idea either. So uh, I definitely want to meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. For me, especially first semester, we're teaching the entrepreneur mindset. Mm. So we're trying to teach them to uh, seek out opportunities. And you don't need to necessarily have a college degree to have that curiosity and to have that fire in your belly. Uh, You just need to have the gumption to make it happen. If a listener wants their or is interested in having their children who are becoming seniors or juniors, how do they get involved with this, with your program? Uh, the website's probably the best way. We'll start recruiting in November, and that will be for next year's juniors and next year's seniors. Roc. High. Dot org. What was that again? ROC.KernHigh.org. As a small business owner, you are a visioneer, a pioneer with vision. But sometimes it's hard to see the forest through the trees. You know where you want to go. You know what you want to do and have. But you need a confidential second set of eyes to help you get there. Small Business Celebration can be those eyes. Go to smallbusinesscelebration.com and schedule a listening session. See the forest through the trees. Realize your vision. Go to smallbusinesscelebration.com and schedule a listening session today. I'm sitting here with Mike Russo, the owner of Russo's Books, and we're talking about how he's overcome the challenge of Amazon. One of the things that you have focused on on your success with Amazon is you have seven pillars that are the mainstay of your business. Would you mind going through them and briefly giving us a showcase on what they mean? Sure. First, we start with the customers. I've already spoken about how uh, important customers are to my family and I and how much we value their support over the years. Next up is our employees. Uh, At one point, we had about 40 employees. Now, uh, just a handful are able to help us. But over the years, we've uh, hired probably close to 200 people in this community Mm -hmm. that have worked for us. They've really bought into the notion of an independent bookseller. They very much understand what we're trying to do here. Books are important to them. Getting, again, just as is for us, the right book into the right person's hand at the right price. That's a commitment they've made to not only us and themselves, but to our customers as well. Mm-hmm. So customers, employees, family, we are family-owned uh, and continue to be. I, I tell my students, be careful going into business with friends and family. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're trained <laughs> professionals. Don't try this at home. Uh, but uh, it's been a good run, and it's actually brought our family closer together. Can't say that for everybody's family business, but for us it has. Uh, 
the industry. We're very much tied into our industry. I've served on the Southern California Bookseller Association, Board of Directors. We're going to industry events. We very much uh, have our pulse of the industry and different trends and what's happening. And how does belonging to an industry associations help your business? So I'm a big believer in that as well. Uh, it gives us a voice. As you've mm. mentioned, the superstores and the online stores uh, really have a large voice with the publishing industry, and the mm. publishers are going to listen to them. And my little bookstore in Bakersfield, California, is a very small drop in their very big bucket. Mm -hmm. uh, but by joining the American Bookseller Association, the Southern California Independent Bookseller Association, we are definitely able to uh, have a seat at the table and to be represented and have our interests, interests addressed. In addition to vendors, community has just been the mainstay of what we do, from serving on boards to giving out raffle prizes for schools to wherever it might be. Uh, very much believe in Bakersfield. Again, our slogan, we're Bakersfield's bookstore, is something that I take to heart. Bakersfield's been good to us. And uh, we also like to say that, you know, when you buy at Amazon, they're not giving much back to the Bakersfield community. They're certainly taking tax dollars out of the community. Right. For us, community is really paramount. One, but, one question I want to ask you on the subject of community. Tell me about the D. Cameron Foundation. So, yeah, I've been on a lot of different boards through the years. And this is a community, this is a local community yeah, foundation. This is a community foundation, the DeCameron Foundation, that a couple of friends of mine that are Cal State alumni decided that Bakersfield's a pretty good place and we kind of like it. Wouldn't it be great if we supported our alma mater, Cal State, but also education in general and mm. kind of let people know that Bakersfield and education, one will kind of feed into the other. So we started about two years ago a nonprofit foundation. We raise funds, and then we try to support the student body at Cal State Bakersfield. And how do you uh, do that? Just various activities. A while back, we did a we tried to do some leadership conferences here and there. A while back, we bought the paid for the bus and then the student tickets to uh, send students down to the UCLA basketball game against the Cal State Roadrunners. Nice. Yeah. So just things like that, trying to support the the student body and let them know that you made a good decision choosing Cal State Bakersfield, and there's somebody out there that supports your decision and wants you to be successful. And you're one of the founding board members, correct? Yes, yes. Why the name Decameron? The Decameron is from the Renaissance. It's a book title, Boccaccio's Decameron. As we know, a Renaissance man is somebody who is open to different experiences and who uh, is a stranger to nothing. Mm -hmm. And we want to encourage the students at Cal State to be open to new experiences and to push themselves forward and to go in directions that they may not have foreseen themselves. One of the benefits of Cal State is so many first-generation students hmm. and people who uh, maybe didn't see college as an avenue for them mm -hmm. who now are having that enlightenment. And hmm. The enlightenment of the Renaissance can come through here in little old Bakersfield. And you have one last pillar of your seven-pillar foundation. Yes. Uh, well, actually, vendors, we've really revamped our vendors, but then the other is local authors. And mm. right behind you is a bookshelf full of local author books, which we still stock. For us, Bakersfield actually has a thriving local author community, thriving poetry community, and we just want to give that a voice. We want to be able to showcase those books. Before, that meant we had events, and we just had probably about 50 to 70 events a week at our stores. Hmm. Now that we have the showroom, we're still able to carry those books. We're still able to spotlight them on our website and let people know 
Bakersfield, fiction, nonfiction, history, poetry, it's out there. I noticed that you're a fan of the book How to Make a Spaceship. Yes. By uh, Julian Guthrie, Peter Diamandis, and Richard Branson. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that book. We had a great opportunity. We do a lot of outside events. So when the book came out about two years ago, the author was signing at Mojave. Mm. And Mojave uh, Airport and Spaceport is where a lot of the book's action takes place. Hmm. It's a national book, but it takes place to a large degree in Kern County. Mm-hmm. And this is Spaceship One, where private individuals, Bert Rutan, was actually able to send private built spaceship into orbit. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with the story. It was just fabulous. I was able to adapt it for my classroom as well because I want my students to see that the impossible is possible. Because even though Bert Rutan is a genius, even mm-hmm. though he had Paul Allen backing him financially, he still did something with a very innovative design that nobody said would work. I love that entrepreneurial spirit. The book really spoke to me. Not only is it a Kern County tale of just grit and determination, but it just proved the experts wrong. So it's a great book for my students to let them know that the big bad world is out there and you can conquer the sky. What are some of the benefits that owning this bookstore has afforded you? Oh, so many. It's in many regards given me my identity. Mm. Uh You know, I could go back to my seven pillars, the employees that we've gotten to know, the customer friendships that have been built over years and now decades is so strong. Going back to local authors, you cannot imagine how rich Kern County history is. And being able to go to events where I'm selling books, I get a front row seat to listening to the authors and hearing the stories as well as reading their books. It's just been so very, very rewarding. And then, as I said, it also has brought our family closer together. So I kind of go back to those seven pillars. It's really built these relationships. I don't want to harp on the introvert thing, but it would be just as easy for me to curl up by myself with a good book Mm -hmm. and not peek outside. But the bookstore has given me a window to the world. What is something that Visioneer Nation could take away today to help them grow a strong and profitable business? I think you need to be responsive to your industry and responsive to the times. Mm -hmm. Uh, For us, that meant that the traditional bookstore environment, retail environment, just wasn't working any longer. Mm -hmm. So we really went back to the table and revamped everything from our who our core customer was to our staffing levels to how we carry inventory to how we do our books we just started from scratch so even though i say we're 30 years old we've been at our showroom for the last five years the last five years we've been able to pay off our debt and get back to a point of profit but that would not have happened if we had followed the old business model. Mm-hmm. And I have to say there was some temptation there. When we closed the Marketplace store, we definitely scouted out some more retail locations. And we said, let's just move our operation to a different retail location. And in the end, it just didn't pencil out. Not only did it not pencil out five years ago, but we could see the direction that the industry was moving. And that came from your associations that you had belonged to. Oh, yeah, by all means. Definitely through our associations, you could see the direction just by talking to customers, seeing declining sales over a period of time. But more importantly, where the sales were going. Yes. Yeah, so just doing a projection there and looking forward and saying, all right, 
you know, the writing's on the wall. We're going to have the courage to read that writing. Mm. And that was a courageous move because it's still to this day painful not being able to have the foot traffic that we saw at the marketplace in our downtown and East Hills store. Those people, we were a part of their fabric of this community, and they are definitely still a part of who we are. And not to be able to have them come in in those numbers daily. I mean, we still have people come in every day picking up their orders or just stopping in to see what's new because we do stock bestsellers and local authors, but not to the degree. So that took some doing to come to that realization that, you know, if we want to stay viable, we're going to have to change. You went back to the fundamentals. Yes. And if people want to get in touch with you and they want to visit you, How do they do that? A lot of different ways. Our showroom is on New Stein Road. We're right across from Patriots Park in West High, nestled between Olive Garden and Rosewood. Uh, So we're at 1601 New Stein Road, and that's the white office building with the red roof, I tell everybody. But most people will just give us a call. Our phone number remains the same for the last 20-plus years, 661-665-4686. 661-665-4686. And please visit us on our website, russosbooks.com. What was that again? Russo's Books. A lot of O's and S's. Russo's with an S and books. How do you, spe- how do you spell that out? R-U-S-S-O-S-B-O-O-K-S.com. Well, Mike, this has been an absolute joy and a pleasure. You've given us a lot of great information and content, and we want to thank you for joining us on the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, and I wish you much success going forward. Ron, why are you wearing an elf hat? It's October, the month of Halloween. It's because I'm thinking about my employees at Geronco's top clients that are going to have holiday parties this year. You're thinking about holiday parties in October? You betcha. Well, you need to plan ahead. You're going to need tables and chairs and flatware and glassware, depending on the size it is. Uh, Weather's rolling in. You may need a tent. may need some heaters. So you want to plan ahead and call us as soon as possible so we can make sure we have the gear on hold. But what if I want to reserve all of our party needs from you at Dronco Party Rentals? Michael, I'll let you and any member of Visioner Nation that listens to the podcast come down to our shop at 7501 East Brundage Lane, right here in Bakersfield, or give us a call at 661-325-0855. Or check out our website at Jaronco Rentals. That's J-O-R-O-N-C-O Rentals.com. Wait, let me get a piece of paper and write that down. What was that? 7501 East Brundage Lane here in Bakersfield. Or give us a call at 325-0855. Or check us out on our website at Jaronco Rentals. That's J O. R-O-N-C-O, rentals.com. That's 7501 Brundage Lane here in Bakersfield, 661-325-0855, or at Jeronco Rentals, that's J-O-R-O-N-C-O, rentals.com. I've been asked, who is a visioneer? A visioneer is a small business owner who's a pioneer that has vision. A visioneer is someone willing to see the world, not as it is, but as it could be, and is willing to do something about it. A visioneer is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A visioneer gives value first because visioneers are in business for the long haul. Visioneers understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visioneers define their destiny. Visioneers create their own luck. 
Visioneers surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visioneers are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioneer? Become a visioneer by joining the Tribe on Small Business Celebrations Facebook page and on Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you may find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. And that's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. Also, if you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. If there is a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.